Hey friend, before we start the next episode, I want to let you in on something new. You see, the reason I started this podcast is to answer more deeply the question I get over and over again, which is, how did you start your business and can you help me launch mine? This podcast invites you behind the scenes on how to run a successful interior design business. But I want to go one step further and give you something invaluable, which is access to my proven blueprint to launching your own business. It's called the Design Business Accelerator Toolkit, linked in our show notes and on our website, lizlevininteriors.com. If you're serious about starting your interior design business, then this one's for you and it's launching soon. So go grab your spot. I want you to succeed like I did and like the many successful designers who have studied with me. If that sounds like something you want to do, then we've got you covered. Okay, let's dive into our next episode. Ever thought about starting your own business as an interior designer? Join Liz Levin, nationally published design entrepreneur of 20 years, as she interviews experts, colleagues, and creatives to pull back the curtain on the design industry. Whether you're passionate about design, eager to start your design business, or simply curious about what happens behind the scenes, we're here to open the doors for you. Welcome to Behind the Drapery Podcast. Hi there, it's Liz. This is our very first episode of Behind the Drapery. In fact, it's the first episode ever for me. I've never had a podcast, nor have I been invited to speak on one. So we are embarking on this new adventure together, and I'm glad you're here. So I thought for this first episode, it would make the most sense to explain why we all are here. Well, I had a recent epiphany, you could call it that, when I was sitting down with someone to have a coffee who was asking me how I started my business and had a ton of questions about how to start her interior design business. We met for about an hour, and in the course of that time, we spoke furiously. I shared so many different resources, and she took about a page of notes before we had to scurry off to our next activity. And it got me thinking over the years, that's something that people have asked me for over and over again. People that are changing careers, people that want to get into the design business but aren't sure how. There are a lot of questions around, do you get a degree? Do you work for someone else? How did I get started? I thought a podcast would be a great way to share a lot of those insights and lessons that I've learned the hard way, learning by doing over the last 20 years. And it would be a way to share that knowledge and create some community around that. So when I think back to when I first got started, there wasn't Instagram and the industry was a lot more hush-hush and closed door about things. I was lucky to have friends that worked in the business and were generous enough to share their experience and insights and hook me up with an internship here or there. But I really had to learn on my own. And I was thinking after this coffee date that, gosh, it would be amazing if People starting out in the industry had access to some of these conversations. Some of the conversations I'm going to bring to you with my design partners that I've worked with over the years, my colleagues who also got started around the same time I did, and creatives I've gotten to know along the way that are doing really interesting things in the arts and design and have been influential to me. There are a lot of podcasts about interior design out there that highlight superstars, the folks that have really made it in those upper levels of success and have, you know, their own lines and huge famous clients. And those I see a lot in podcasts or hear a lot, I should say. I want to share the stories of 
colleagues and creatives like myself who are working mostly locally where they live and can share a lot of insight and tricks of the trade to help the next generation of designers and decorators get their businesses off the ground. Because I do believe there's room for everybody. And I've learned in my community of peers that have come up with me over the last two decades that there's room for everyone in this business. We support each other. And I think that's going to continue to be a big theme in the design industry, especially as the internet has blown up (laughs) or blown the doors off the secrecy of pricing and sourcing and, and generally sharing more of ideas. And that happens on all social platforms, websites, Instagram's a big one, but sharing ideas has made it more democratic and accessible to more people getting into design. There's just more out there to see than the monthly glossy magazines that we had when I was starting out. There's more content on a regular basis from so many different sources, and that's definitely changed the game. So going back to that coffee date, how I got started, let me share with you my early days, a story I haven't shared publicly. makes me feel a little vulnerable sharing it, but I think it could be transformational for you as you embark on whether or not you wanted to start your own design business. I didn't study design in school. In fact, I had a major in psychology and Spanish, seemingly unrelated, although in another conversation, we can talk about how important psychology is in working with clients and interior design. But I do remember sitting in my cubicle in my very first job, located in the windowless hallway where coworkers would bustle by. I was the lowest man on the totem pole, just out of college at an ad agency. I'd sit there at my computer desk. I could smell the chai latte getting cold as I daydreamed about finding a more creative path in my career. I was a frustrated creative. I loved being in the ad agency community environment where everyone was coming up with great ideas and had fun personalities. But I was on the account management team, which was arguably less creative, more business. I used to dream about how I could tap into my creative talents in a career path. I would sit there at my computer desk, overhearing calls with my colleagues who were speaking with clients in excited and anxious voices, putting out fires, rifling through paper copies. And I thought, hmm, this is not what I'm meant to do with my life. I desperately want to find a way to use my visual and more artistic talent somehow, some way in a job that can also pay my bills. Needing my day job to cover my rent meant I only had the opportunity to take classes at night. And I took a few evening courses at the local interior design graduate school. I would walk to the basement of the old school building and feel excited, but also a bit tired after working my nine to five. I'd settle into my desk and learned about color theory and how to draft. And I looked around, I thought, hmm, I do not want to spend the next five years in design school. I really want to start now. How can I just skip to the good part where I'm working? And I thought about it and I realized I can do this if I become a decorator and work for residential projects and clients. I can take my talent and newfound knowledge from my evening courses and make a go of it learning on the job. That way I won't have to get a diploma, a design degree. I've already got an undergraduate degree. I didn't want to spend the next several years in grad school. I was impatient. I wanted to fast forward to working. And I thought, I have the eye for this. I may not have all the technical knowledge to know everything about design, 
but I do know enough to get started. And that's what I set out to do. So how did I do it? Did I drop everything and jump into a new design career? Heck no. I was too afraid to leave my day job and paycheck. And it wasn't until I had the opportunity to move overseas with my now husband. We were newly engaged. We had the opportunity to move to London. And that was the perfect forcing mechanism to get me to finally quit my job and try something new. And you may be feeling the same way right now, where you're afraid to take that first step into a new direction of a new career with little experience and no educational background in the world of design. But I'm here to tell you, as proof, it is well worth taking that risk of following your bliss. You will have endless energy behind a creative career change. It will propel you to figure it out. At least that's what it did for me. I was so motivated to not go back to a cubicle job that I learned from every possible opportunity that crossed my path. And the first thing I did was reach out to my friend network and ask, who is doing this already? Who will talk to me about how to get started? And I had a very fruitful meeting with a friend of a friend who really sat down with me on more than one occasion and shared how she got started, who she knew, resources she had. She was not afraid to share and she didn't hold back. And that was, I can't even tell you how helpful that was for me and encouraging. And after listening to her story and receiving her encouragement, I went ahead and took an internship, actually two, working for an established designer that she knew and working for the design center in DC for a showroom. Those two internships gave me a behind the scenes look at what it's like to work on the vendor side of the business and what it's like to be in a day-to-day working design studio situation and seeing how the project managers ran their day, managed projects, obviously, and talked to clients gave me a lot of insight on how I would take the next step. So as educational as those two internships proved to be, I still had that pesky paycheck problem where someone needed to pay me so I could pay my bills. And that's what led me to my very first design gig. I saw a help wanted sign in a hip new furniture store opening up on 14th Street that needed an in-house designer. And I walked in and gave it my best shot. The interview process for this in-house designer job gave me the opportunity to employ my newly found design skills from my evening courses. They asked me to put together a presentation for a new loft space that one of the owners was building. And I knew how to make a mood board and I knew how to draw a floor plan. And that was enough to get my foot in the door. And I still remember my first day when I stepped into the store on the newly refurbished concrete floor cool music was playing in the background and the shop was loaded with retro modern furnishings organized in chic vignettes. I sat down on an ultra suede sofa that looked like it came out of Mad Men and waited for my new boss. Working in the store was like drinking from a fire hose where I learned everything I could about custom furniture and working with customers. I practiced meeting with clients, pulling materials, and presenting my ideas. From the front desk, I supervised the store, dusted furniture, and placed orders. This job had a lot of moving parts, but it accelerated my learning and gave me the courage to go out on my own and hang out my shingle. Because being that store's in-house designer allowed me to work with 30 clients in a quarter. People came in day after day asking for sofas and room plans and how do you put it all together? And it forced me to just do it, figure it out on my feet, 
put rooms together, talk to clients. And believe me, I had knots in my stomach for my first client presentations. I was so nervous to have to sit down and act like the authority on a design when I felt like a total imposter. Fake it till you make it. I swallowed my nerves and did it anyway. And that is the secret to getting better. You just have to start. You have to force yourself to do it. Feed to the fire, trial by fire, whatever the phrase is. The first time you do something is not going to be your best, obviously. You know that from other areas in your life. But I think we all come out of the gate thinking, I need to know everything. I need to be prepared. I need to be good at it when I start. And I'm here to tell you, you just need to start. You will get better. Design is like a muscle that you strengthen the more you practice it, the more you use it. And if you have the eye and enough to get started, you can do it. You just need to practice, practice your language, practice putting rooms together, practice, practice, practice makes progress. So with all that newfound practice under my belt, I decided I was ready to take on my first design client. As luck would have it, one of our friends was buying a townhouse in Georgetown and needed help putting it together. I was the girl for the job, or he was willing to take a chance on me being the girl for the job. I was forever grateful because he was willing to be my guinea pig and I put everything I had into that project. He knew for sure a lot of his furniture was coming from the store that I worked for, but it was okay. It was a great place to pull from. Off we went. First design client adventure. The best part was I didn't have to quit my day job. I still needed that paycheck. <laughs> he was willing to work on my off hours. So win-win. It wasn't all smooth sailing, however. I was very green and very new to design. I had to learn the hard way, and there were a few pitfalls along the way of this project, but we made it. Let me tell you what happened. I will put on my gravestone, measure twice, order once, because remembering that will save you so much headache down the road. My very first pitfall in this project was when I ordered a super custom leather sofa to go to a second floor study down a tiny hallway, and it did not fit up the stairs. I wanted to die. I couldn't believe it was happening. And I was embarrassed, obviously. And I figured out a way to get in that office. We had an individual who knew how to disassemble sofas, which I don't even remember how I found this guy. He took apart the custom sofa and then put it back together in the study. That was putting out fire number one. Fire number two was when I ordered a lovely TV console to go in the living room that didn't fit the wall that it was supposed to fit on. It was a niche that was inset and I must have measured incorrectly or I don't know, did something on my floor plan. And that piece of furniture had to be relocated to a bedroom as a sweater and t-shirt storage place. Needless to say, you're going to make some mistakes. You will figure them out for your client. That's part of learning on the job. With that first client project, completed and installed, I knew the next step was to capture great photography so I could build my website and market my work. While I was working in the store, I met a new budding floral designer and we became fast friends. She was building her floral design business and brought beautiful arrangements into the shop. She was smart about donating these arrangements to the shop, which made the furniture vignettes look beautiful. And then she'd put her business cards next to them so customers could see what she was doing and hopefully pick one up and consider her for any of their parties, events, or other stores that needed floral. I remember she also put her floral arrangements in a new restaurant that was very popular. Needless to say, we were both starting out and had a lot in common in that regard. 
And so when it came to taking pictures of my work, it was expensive to hire a photographer. I was trying to cut costs where I could. I was just starting the business. I didn't have any kind of money saved up to start the business. I was really just doing it on the side while I was working for the furniture store. So I approached my new floral designer friend and said, hey, what do you think about designing some floral for this new townhouse that I decorated? We could share the cost of the photographer and then we'd both have new professional photos. I didn't have any photos. My first photos so we could market ourselves. And in my case, I used those photos to start my website. She happily agreed and it was so fun. We went to the house and we styled it and she put her floral on the dining table and coffee table and everywhere we could. The photographer was wonderful and understood our agenda of needing close-up detail images of her floral and also the floral with the wider room scene. And they looked like a million bucks. When I went to set up my website, I had sort of an unexpected result because this was back in 2003. And a lot of the more established designers in my area weren't even online yet. I look up businesses that I knew, designers that I knew, and some of them just had a Yahoo page that looked very unfinished and definitely not very professional. And by investing a little money into a website design, I was able to set myself apart and look really professional and more established than I actually was. I jokingly called myself the wizard behind the curtain. I reached out to a friend who ran a nonprofit and she connected me with a graphic designer who was also moonlighting on her own. And she helped me put together a logo and also a very basic portfolio website for me to showcase the new professional photos that we'd taken. I remember at the time I said, okay, this is $600. And my husband was like, what are you spending $600 on uh, You know, a website for a business that doesn't really have traction or anything yet? And we still laugh to this day. That was the most powerful investment. I got <laughs> so much money back on that return because it allowed me to then drive interest to a landing page and showcase my work. My one special project with that beautiful floral was there on a gleaming new website that looked so high tech and very professional. And again, one of the few websites for interior designers and decorators that were out there at the time, or I should say, at least in my area. Then I went into PR and marketing. Okay, I have a place to send people. I was so lucky that this very cool email newsletter, Daily Candy, that all my friends in New York were following and sending to us down here in D.C., they expanded to D.C. and they announced the new editor that was taking over the Daily Candy D.C. And I reached out to her and had a coffee date and we hit it off and we realized we both grew up in the area and we connected on similar interests. And she wrote a beautiful profile that took my psychology background and married it with my design skills and pitched me as sort of a home therapist. And it was a one pager, but it blasted out their entire Daily Candy network, which was massive. And that in turn drove so many inquiries to my website, to my email. I was floored. I couldn't believe it happened so quickly. And with that, I was off to the races. I was meeting with consults. I was putting rooms together. I was quickly building my business structure and pricing and just running, 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 figuring it out on the fly. That's to say that marketing is key. I know a lot of designers and decorators that have a background in marketing. Because even if you have wonderful designs and do beautiful spaces, the public cannot go into your clients' homes. You need to showcase your work, be out there, be loud, reach out to editors, reach out to publications. 
from that Daily Candy, I went to Washington Post. From that, I went to local magazines, Washingtonian, and eventually worked my way up to national publications like Coastal Living, a little blurb in House Beautiful. Any amount of editorial validates and gives social proof to your work and ability. I really felt validated when I was in press, whether big or small. It got a lot of eyeballs, but more importantly, it allowed me to put that on my press page of my website and tell the world, hey, people agree that I know what I'm doing. I can put a room together and you can trust me to put your room together too. And that's how it all began. One job led to one independent project, led to one website, led to one PR moment that started the little snowball at the top of the mountain that kept gaining momentum as it rolled down the hill. Each opportunity expanded my reach, expanded my experience, and it all started by making the decision to try, to put myself out there, to take a class, to quit my job, and to just give it a go. And I stand here 20 years later with a body of work and a profitable business that I could never have imagined possible in 2003. Stand here encouraging you to go for it too. I know you can do it. Anything you put your mind to, you can do. And it just takes consistency, desire, and hard work. And in this podcast, I look forward to introducing you to all the vital players that played a very important part in my career journey. I will ask them to share how they got started, the things they had to overcome, and all the things that you need to know to start your own business. Another really important part of this job is developing and cultivating deep relationships with your trade partners. Those are the people that will be there when you need them in a clutch. They will help you problem solve. And I'm excited to introduce you to mine. They are some of the most important people, vital people to the success of my business. The reason I share my story today is that I want to show you how following your bliss can bring you unique career fulfillment and joy on a daily basis. It's something worth striving for. If you're unhappy in your current career or want to make a change or go out again in the workforce after being home with kids, finding a creative career path is worth it, worth the risk, worth the initial discomfort, worth trying it. If you can relate to this story, you're in the right place. So I invite you to join me. Stay tuned. I look forward to sharing interviews and conversations with those nearest and dearest to my business. And I hope it inspires you to take that next step. I hope it gives you some practical advice and encouragement so you too can follow your own path of creative career fulfillment. Thanks for joining me on my very first episode of Behind the Drapery. I look forward to seeing you next time. Don't forget to subscribe. Till then, follow your bliss. Thanks for listening to this episode of Behind the Drapery, where we pull back the curtain on the interior design industry through stories, insights, and creative processes that shape the spaces we create. Make sure you subscribe to get the latest episodes from your favorite podcast platform. And visit our website at lizlevininteriors.com for more information.